for years and years and years, our objective from a business perspective was to just get more and more skiers here. And what happened over a relatively short time period was all of a sudden, at least on weekends, on the really big days, we had too many people. So we had to kind of change up what we've been doing. You know, our first step was we, we, we changed our past partnerships. We're with the Icon Pass now. Not gonna be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. Alex Kaufman, Wintry Mix, episode 92. I'm really excited about this episode for two reasons. Number one, it represents the first time a ski area has taken what they know and like about the pod and proactively teamed up with me to bring it to life. Since I'm not able to go torment ski area staff myself due to COVID and all its associated hassles, we've got some marketing department stand-ins and the legend, or maybe I should just call them the family, A Basin, delivers. And number two, I'm super excited to end Wintry Mix with a good one. Yes, you heard that right. We are done here. For a bunch of reasons. In 2015, my kids were four and one, now they're 10 and seven, and I'm coaching soccer teams nearly year round. In 2015, there were almost no good ski podcasts. Now there's a great many solid ones, all competing for your time and attention. More than a quarter million downloads later, it's a noisy scene I am bowing out of. In 2015, I gave a damn about the business of skiing after a decade behind the scenes and growing up in and around a bunch of ski towns. I don't care that much anymore. I've personally sidelined the sport in favor of my more convenient local foothill powder skiing around dawn and dusk on the silly Marquettes. 70,000 plus vert of untracked this season, less than 30 minutes from Denver, and there's no going back for me. Just a rogue Sunday or three on resort with the fam because I'm trapped to weekends and holidays and I-70 until further notice. I also picked up the guitar as a hobby during COVID, and it's given more back to me than feeding this machine for other people. And let us not forget, I oversee a bit of a real estate empire, and this side gig was just never going to survive that fight. Six years, not bad. No, I'm not going anywhere, but the pod's going on ice, the social feeds will weird foothill guy while pivoting back to my family, and I'll be open to new projects or none at all. If we're all lucky, maybe I'll get inspired once a year if a mountain pod like the one you're about to hear lands in my lap. We'll see. No promises. I don't need any more beer or pizza, so we'll go without ad reads in the finale for maximum listener enjoyment. Thanks to Bojo's Pizza and Ten Barrel Brewing for supporting the Colorado version of the pod the last two seasons. Dropping. Bryce Metzger. I am the marketing coordinator here at Arapahoe Basin. I'm originally from Fairhaven, New Jersey. Shout out to the Jersey Shore. And I have been here at Arapahoe Basin a short three months, but very exciting. Three months. Uh, my name is Catherine. I am the public relations lackey here at A Basin, which I've been doing for about two and a half years. 
And I am one of those people who migrated to Colorado from Texas. I grew up in San Antonio and am loving living where there's actually mountains. <laughs> you want to just dive in? Yeah, sure. All right. So yeah, you'll hear Bryce and Catherine throughout the episode conducting the various interviews. But before we step out of the office, let's get to know them just a little bit better. Listen, y'all. Not all Texans have accents, and I think I outed myself when I suggested that the marketing department needs to go to a demolition derby as a bonding experience. I did actually train the accent out of me when I worked in radio journalism in Washington, D.C., but uh, maybe if I brought it back, y'all wouldn't look at me so funny when I say things like y'all and howdy. Um, How did I get to A Basin? I would say peer pressure. Um, When this job opened up a few years ago, I had been in the mountain bike industry for about 10 years and wasn't really ready to leave. But I had a bunch of friends tell me who knew this place well that I would be crazy to not try to come work here. And then my passionate expert skier husband also thought, for much more selfish reasons, that I would be crazy to not try to come work here. And so I guess I just got lucky and uh, here I am living the dream. I think I'm supposed to ask you what exit you're from, and do you know how to pump your own gas? I do know how to pump my own gas. I'm originally from exit 109 Red Bank Lincroft, Uh, so shout out for the Jersey Turnpike, if everyone knows, or the Garden State Parkway, whichever exit you are. Um, And as an East Coast transplant, why do I choose to ride a basin? It's actually kind of a funny story. Um, I grew up riding Stowe, Vermont, um, and super unique ski area between Stowe and Smuggler's Notch is actual side country, back country, referred to as Smuggler's Notch, where the given name is from. And there's actually, what a lot of people don't know, is avalanche paths that kind of spec that entire corridor, which is very similar to a lot of our east wall runs or the steep gullies. So it reminds me actually a lot of those, you know, times on the east coast growing up, learning to ride that terrain. And now it's, you know, full on, steeper, deeper, and everything that goes along with that. (laughs) I think the question everyone really wants to know, Catherine, looking towards next season, is the beach returning? And additionally, is Abay an acceptable name? <laughs> oh man, you're setting me up for hate mail no matter what I say. Okay, I don't think there's an official position on Abay. So I'm gonna answer that question as Catherine the person and not Catherine the spokeswoman. I think Abay is totally acceptable. Ooh, spicy take. In fact, I think it's kind of adorable. I mean, look, it's if you love a place, a brand, an experience so much that you want to give it a cute nickname. I don't see any problem with that. I think I love that about our fans. Um, I think it's funny that some of them care really strongly one way or the other. But look, I've been married for 10 years. You know, my husband and I have a lot of nicknames for each other that don't make any sense. We don't know where they came from and are stupid, but you know, they're kind of cute and endearing. Um, so Abay all the way, you know, do whatever you want. Um, and as far as the beach goes, that is, oh God, we hope so. That is totally coming back next season. We cannot wait to throw beach parties, to host beach parties, um, especially right now in the spring when the skiing is awesome, hanging outside is awesome. It's such a bummer to not be able to have that, to host people's birthday parties there. Well, I had a friend get married on the beach once. Um, I mean, ski in, ski out to the poly chair is the best thing ever. So 
Fingers crossed. Um, I think we're all excited for that one. Yeah, fingers crossed. Follow us on Instagram because we have a photographer on staff and Ian is awesome. And you got to read Al's blog, which is written by our COO. And I swear to you on my life, the marketing team has nothing to do with it. It is entirely what Al feels like talking about, what comes out of his head, what comes out of his ancient iPhone as far as photos. So yeah, definitely read Al's blog. Um, you know, I joke as a PR person that I'm, because of it, I'm essentially useless. All the media read it. Um, all of our biggest fans read it. So you should too. I think what we're going to do is just pick a whole bunch of people that we find interesting, which was hard because that's honestly everybody here. Um, but to give you all a flavor of what it's like to work, live, breathe, and recreate on your day off at a basin, we're going to go out and talk to a bunch of people and we hope you all enjoy. My name is Carlos Padilla. I am from Abilene, Kansas. And this is, whew, this is 11 years for me. <laughs> and your position as well. I, I started in lift ops, but now I'm in uh, guest services. Awesome. Sweet, Les. Thank you. All right. So, Les, all over the ski area, there's stickers of your profile. What's the story <laughs> with this? So, uh, how long have you been here? Three months. I'm the Three new months? guy. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to find out quick that everybody that works at the basin is a comedian. <laughs> And I'm not the kind of a person that, like, I'm not the biggest fan of attention. And so it's a funny thing for them to do to me. It all started with these uh, stickers that said, Low sucks, <laughs> that were everywhere. And then it moved on to this silhouette. And so, I don't know. <laughs> I don't care either way. I don't get too ruffled up about it. Yeah. So. Understandable. So how did you end up here at the Basin? Honestly, I started at Keystone and, uh, you know, like many people that have worked at the basin, I managed to get myself out of Keystone. Same spot myself. And uh, I came up here, our uh, HR manager at the time was my former lift ops manager at Keystone. So she brought me up here, put me on in lift ops and been here ever since. Yeah. So take us through a day in the life of Los. What is it like working in guest service from the moment you walk in to the moment you walk out? Well, it's usually not too terrible. You know, I walk in, all my coworkers are pretty good people and, you know, everybody's usually in a pretty good mood. And there's a lot of ribbing and back and forth and just kind of having a good time in there. When we get busy, you know, stuff does have to get done. Of course. But, uh, you know, it's it, we all gel. So it's pretty cool, pretty relaxed atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. With that in mind, who's one of your favorite people who's not in your department and why? Hmm, let's see. I'd have to say Rob Ware because he's hilarious. And when, when he says something, because you know he doesn't really say mm -hmm. much, it's usually gold. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a character, that's for sure. And this is my personal favorite question that I wanted to ask you is what is the strangest item anyone's brought into lost and found a single shoe a single shoe like how do you lose a single <laughs> shoe it's definitely a strange one awesome well thanks Les for taking the time and chatting with us today yeah dude have a good day Perfect. all right well yeah I'm Meg Kane my job here is lift lead basically yeah, just lift ops but everywhere instead of at one lift in specific um and I have been working here for three years, living in the county for three years. Yeah, it's been a really good time. <laughs> awesome. 
Yeah, so as a lift ops lead, what is something you wish that people knew about loading our fixed grip lifts here at Arapahoe Basin? Don't try to race the chair. If it's coming at you and you don't know if you're going to have enough time, just let it pass and then follow the chair out right after it passes you. And then as you're loading it, make sure if you're with other people, you're all even with each other right on that yellow line there. And it kind of helps if you like brace yourself and watch, pay attention to the chair coming instead of just letting it hit you. Yeah, I'd totally reach out for the chair and make yeah. sure you brace it. So super difficult question, is a hot dog a sandwich or a taco? I gotta go with sandwich. I don't know. I mean, I see the, what a wild dilemma. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think it's sandwich. The bread makes it a sandwich for sure. All right. I'll I'll give you that, and that, I think like you were saying, a meatball sub. Meatball sub, that's it, the it's same. It's the same idea, kind of a split. Yeah, but I mean, not. you could make a, a mini meatball sub in a hot dog bun. For sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, at Arapahoe Basin, who's one of your favorite people that's outside of your own department? There are so many. It's such a cool place to work. I think the guys in guest services with... Jesse and Michael and Lowe's are mm -hmm. awesome. And then you got the guys in Six Alley and stuff with Fatty, Chris, John Ray. They're all, they're all, there's so many good people you see all the time. It's just really any, any place you walk in, you're going to see some homies and have yeah. a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. Hello, I'm Patrick O'Sullivan and uh, I have been at A-Basin, I'm not really sure, since 1989. It's working on my fourth decade. Um, it's an awesome place. Um, I'm the director of safety and risk. Kind of evolved to this position over a long time, mainly through the ski patrol routes. Um, came here as a rank and file patroller and worked my way up through snow safety, ski patrol director, and now I'm doing this uh, risk and safety job. <laughs> I must like it or I don't know. You know, I, I really think it's this, the friends slash family that you develop as you're working and just with the guests too. I mean, there's people I ski with here while I'm working that I've known for 40 years. Um, but I gotta say it's the diversity of the place. If this mountain was like a lot of other mountains I sometimes end up on, I'd be bored. Like trail one, two or three as a cut run through the woods doesn't interest me that much. This mountain is um, hewn by nature, whether it's avalanche, wind, rocks and geology. If you just go from one side of a ridge to another, you're gonna get different snow, different cover, a different ski experience. And, and not just that, but as we've evolved this ski area and gone into the new areas of Montezuma and the Beavers, it's just, just like a flower that just keeps blooming for me. I don't know, it's just a really diverse place and it, I've never gotten bored. Other than being mistaken for Al all the time, what's your favorite thing about working here? Uh, I guess, again, I go back to the diversity. I never know what my day is going to be. It, it might be a bunch of office meetings and such and staying out of the bitter cold on that particular day. Or uh, if it's warm and there's great powder, I'm going to make sure that I spend more time outside. And uh, I always joke saying, shaking hands and kissing babies, you know, wandering around and just interacting with our guests and there's always plenty to do. I don't know an A-Basin diehard who hasn't had an interaction with you on the hill. <laughs> You're sort of our greeter. We need to give you a little vest. It's, it's nice when they're pleasant. I've, I've met 
met one uh, friend's husband and he says, oh, we've met before. And I guess I pulled his pass on the East Wall. <laughs> and he said, uh, you know, he told me that. And I was like, oh, was I firm and fair? Or was I a jerk? He goes, nah, you're firm and fair. I deserved it. <laughs> and we're friends to this day. That's awesome. Um, what's something you wish guests understood before they came to A Basin for the very first time? You know, our base area is at 10,800 feet, and um, escalators don't work very well at that elevation. Um, we, we can have ground blizzards in our base area, and we can have 60-degree sunny afternoons while you're skiing powder on the east wall. I just think that they need to, to understand the environment a little bit. And yeah, we might have said there was two inches, but it's dumping right now and the wind's blowing just perfectly out of that direction and so they need to read the mountains and become a student of the alpine to to really appreciate some of the the real gems you can run into up here okay you mentioned something we should talk about which is that it always seems like we chronically under report <laughs> our snowfall <laughs> don't tell alan that <laughs> but it's it's there's something about this mountain that when it says two inches on the snow stake, it skis like more. Why, why is that? I could get geeky about the stellar crystals and everything, but when you have a champagne powder day at some of these other ski areas and it's 15 new, by 1030, that snow, if the sun came out, it could settle to almost nothing. Our snow being from the high alpine proximity to the divide gets altered by the winds and deposited super deeply in some places and completely stripped from other places. So um, it, it's very difficult to measure it up here. Um, and you can find some pretty magic free refills on the same pitch over and over again. And that's the only place you need to ski that day. I think that skiers that are very experienced at other mountains of our nature and just Taos and Jackson and Snowbird come to mind. They come here and they're like, wow, what a gem. That's what I was looking for. And I've also taken people out that it was on their third day skiing, pretty athletically, pretty balanced, and had them ski right in my hip pocket down an alpine bowl. And they're like, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. So I just think it can be a lot to a lot of people. I agree. Just watch out for those whiteout days. You might think you're an expert and get pretty schooled. <laughs> well, my name is Alan Hensroth, and uh, I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Arapahoe Basin. I've worked here for 33 years, had a couple of other jobs along the way. I was the Ski Patrol Director and the Director of Mountain Operations, and uh, more or less grew up in Tucson and ended up here through sheer luck. How did you wind up here originally? You know, I had a couple of college buddies. We were going to spend the winter skiing, and uh, and we weren't even talking about being in Colorado. And um, um, it just so happened through the summer we were all kind of scattered across the West. Uh, we were all working for the Forest Service in different places. And uh, at that time, there were a bunch of forestry jobs in Summit County in, in the fall. So the other two guys ended up working here in the fall, and they said, come on over. And I said, well, whatever. Oh, sure, I'll come. And it <laughs> really was going to be one winter. 
That sounds like a lot of people, they sort of end up here forever by accident. It, exactly, exactly. Um, so you're the guy who writes the blog. I do write the blog. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that and why we should read it. You know, the, 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 the blog, I have a lot of fun doing it, and um, I, I think you should read it because it, it just, it's got a lot of different random stuff, and it's just meant to be something different uh, than what you would hear otherwise. And I uh, sometimes I, I upset our marketing team a little bit, but I try to make it sound as much as I can like it wasn't written by marketing. So uh, uh, just meant to be a little bit on my take of the world or the observations or what I might be seeing someday. I just wanted to get on the record that marketing does not write the blog. <laughs> so much so that you won't even take my copy copy editing suggestions. <laughs> All right, it's fine. You, you did have one really good suggestion that I'm working on. It's still it's still uh, it's still bubbling in there. It's okay, I can't help myself. I mean well, but you do you, man. Um, so it's been a weird year. How's the COVID season going? Well, to say it's been a weird year, you know, is a big understatement, and and. Um, I, you know, it's been the most difficult year I've had working in the ski business for sure. Uh, that said, you know, I think we went into the season really expecting the absolute worst. And uh, it's it's been okay. I mean, there's been some good. We've learned some lessons. You know, one thing that's really clear is people want to go skiing. And uh, that has never been an issue. People have come... Um, you know, we we have a lot of challenges that we have to go through. You know, we're working with our, our, our county health department officials, state health department officials. You know, we have worked on a variety of plans of how we're going to do things, you know, especially early on, especially last fall. It was a really a moving target. And we we joked, half joked, half, you know, annoyed, but we joked that, you know, the, the rules changed every day there for a while, or what to expect changed every day. And so much of that's a function of just, we have never been in a pandemic, you know, none of, no, nobody alive around the ski business anyway has been through a pandemic. So it was hard. And the restrictions in the beginning were, were, were difficult. And it was compounded by, you know, Colorado had that drought and that fire season last summer. And, uh, which really impacted our snowmaking abilities because our ability to make snow is related to stream flows. In the summer drought, stream flows were low, so we, we didn't make as much snow as we wanted. And then it didn't snow that much the first part of the season. Um, so, I mean, it, it I, I don't know that it could have been much harder. I don't know that we could have had many more obstacles. But, you know, despite that, we got through it. The shining light through all of it was that people wanted to go skiing. And, um, you know, I, I, I like where we are. I think we learned some lessons that would have taken us years and years and years to learn otherwise. We were forced to take some big steps on how we manage the place. Um, and so while I can't say I enjoyed the pandemic in any way, um, and I, I, I will clearly say I can't wait till it's over and I can throw my masks away. Um, you know, we've, we've learned some lessons that I think we're going to be better uh, for it as a result. 
Yeah, you keep telling me if I hang on, I'm going to experience a normal season one of these years, but I don't know what that means, and I'm not sure I believe that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't being serious. <laughs> um, so what's what's next? What can people expect for next season? Well, you know, I, 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 from all, I, I mean, my take is m most of the pandemic worries are, are, are going to be gone. I, I hope I'm correct there. I think most people think that we're anticipating a relatively normal summer, and let's hope by next season enough people have been vaccinated and, you know, we're, we're in a good place. So we're planning that COVID's over next year. Uh, maybe with a little asterisk, but we're planning that COVID's over. Um, and, you know, I think the lessons that we learned, we were, you know, we've been, we've been focused for a while on him really improving the quality of the experience at the basin. And that's manifested itself in some different ways. Um, you know, for, for many years, it was the, the physical things about the mountain that we really worked on. We, we put in snowmaking. We added Montezuma Bowl and the beavers that tripled the size of the ski area. We've done other cool stuff. We, you know, we built Black Mountain Lodge and, and Il Refugio, Il Refugio, and we, you know, we remodeled the Sixth Alley Bar and Grill, just trying to make the experience better for everybody when they come here. For years and years and years, our objective from a business perspective was to just get more and more skiers here. And what happened over a relatively short time period was all of a sudden, at least on weekends, on the really big days, we had too many people. So we had to kind of change up what we've been doing. You know, our first step was we, we, we changed our pass partnerships. We're with the Icon Pass now on a restricted level. And there's, there's uh, you know, not quite as many, not, um, let me rephrase that, there's not near as many Icon Pass holders out there as there was Epic Pass holders. And they're limited to five or seven days a year. There's blackout days. So we got a good control on that. And then what we learned in the pandemic um, was we, we were forced by the county to, to restrict the number of people that visited each day. And it was just, to, it was for good reason, it was to keep the crowding down. And, and we did that in a lot of ways, but one of the things we did was we limited the number of lift tickets we sold each day, and we made people buy them online and in advance. And, and that worked incredibly well. And, um, and it, it, it allowed us to have much more control and know uh, much more clearly what to expect on busy days. On top of that, I, I, I think one of the cultural things that's happened with the pandemic is people have more time on weekdays when we're not as busy. And, and so our midweek business actually was better during the pandemic than it was. Our, our weekend business was not, but, you know, I, I hope that is something from the pandemic that continues. More and more people, not, you know, a lot of people are going to have to go back to the office and work, but hopefully enough of them can work at home or at least have more flexibility in their schedule that we can get more people to come midweek. So, you know, we're, we're going to continue to use that um way of selling tickets online in advance, limiting ticket sales, to, to make sure we don't get too busy. You know, we, there's a sweet spot we want to get to, and uh, we did a really good job this season getting to that sweet spot. And, you know, next season won't be restricted as much once COVID's gone, but, you know, those 
those 10 or 20 craziest busy days that we've had in the past, you know, we're going to try and take that edge off that and just make it a nice, a nice good day at the ski area. So, so I, I, I think that's the, the biggest thing people can look forward to that's going to be different. We're, we've also we committed to sell 10% uh, fewer season passes. And, and uh, same thing. We're, we're doing that for the same reason. We're going to control the number of people that are here. And so for the people that come, everyone's going to have a better time. And all the employees are going to have a better time because those crazy days are really hard to work. And uh, um, and those crazy days, you know, the guests, maybe they've had a hard time getting here, getting up, driving up the interstate. Everybody's edgy on those days. So we're going to try to make those just a whole, whole lot better. And we're going to continue to focus on this midweek business. What's your favorite spot to ski? You know, I, I, there's a lot of different places I love. I mean, hands down, I think skiing the spine over on Polly. I think that's the coolest place. It's just... It's this little ridge that's ideally situated with the wind where the wind blows and fills it in and it's it's always fun. But there's other great places too. And uh, you know, on the east wall, we've got some very cool hiking zones and that take you up high into these couloirs. There's a place up there I really like to ski called Snorkel Nose. You gotta do this big hike and traverse and drop into this tricky place called the Snorkel Door. You ski Snorkel Nose. You know, there's also other places like the Groomed Run when the cornice run is groomed, particularly if I get to ski it at sunset or something from up on the mountain late, just just as cool as it gets. So, you know, hands down, spine's number one, but there's a lot of other really good skiing. And, you know, the other one on a perfect big powder day, um, Montezuma Bowl, West Zuma, that, that's, as, that's as good as it gets. You know, these big, long, uninterrupted lines and so I've got lots of things. <laughs> so this, I knew you were going to say the spine. The spine's off the poly chair. How did you feel about us renaming that for you? <laughs> On well, April 1st. I, you know, I've, I've come to learn. I, you know, I've, I, I, uh, when, when April Fool's Day's around, i got to remind myself, okay, this is fun. <laughs> Be a good spirit. <laughs> Don't let them make fun of you, too. Don't let them get you down with making fun of you. Everybody's trying to have fun. So, no, I, it, it was funny. I'm glad. Glad I was able to let a few people have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you don't seem too enthusiastic, for the record, it was not my idea. <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Becky McDill. I am the manager of the Snow Sports School in Arapahoe Basin. Let's see, this is my 11th season here. And uh, born in Steamboat Springs and grew up in Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, wow, I don't know you're from Steamboat. So um, I help run the ski school here at A-Basin. And so a typical day would be um, getting into the office, uh, meeting with our supervisors, um, checking in with them, and then moving into greeting our guests. So kids, adults of all ages, uh, ski, snowboard, um, making sure the lessons get out on time. Um, the guests are happy, the staff is happy. Um, and then ins and outs of that is just troubleshooting throughout the day. Uh, what I really like about what I do here in A Basin and what draw, drew me into the industry is um, the chance to share something that I'm very passionate about um, that uh, basically uh, was life-changing for me as a child in regards to building confidence, um, friendships that have lasted a lifetime. So. When I got out of college, I thought to myself, oh, a season's passed, I think I'll teach skiing. And what I didn't realize in that endeavor is that in time, um, 
it was uh, life changing for the guests that I had in front of me uh, years later. Just the, what their experiences on the hill and how they were able to take it into their everyday lives. And reflecting back, it was the same life changing experiences that I had when it came to um, developing me as an adult and into what I love to do. Since a lot of people listening to this are really good skiers and riders, um, why should we not teach our loved ones to ski or ride? <laughs> why should we put them into a lesson? <laughs> so um, by putting your loved ones into a lesson, um, you are able to go out and enjoy your morning or your day while you know that your family and loved ones are in good hands with a professional. If it's your first time, you know, look at the weather and find a warm sunny day to come up or bring the family up to join us. Um, if you're an advanced skier, by all means, pick a powder day. Let's go, let's go rip around the mountain. Okay, one more question. I've heard and been told many times that since I've now learned to ski and snowboard, I've heard skiing's easier to learn but harder to get good at, and snowboarding's harder to learn but easier to get good at, and you're laughing, so I want to know what you think about that stereotype. <laughs> well, I, uh, so my observation says there's some truth to that, but really when you're choosing if you want to ski or snowboard, go with what interests you, because that's where you're going to excel and that's what you're going to learn. My name is Tony Camerata. I'm the Director of Operations and Planning at the Arapahoe Basin Ski Area. This is my 23rd season at the ski area, and I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts. Um, so I'm going to get tired of asking people this, but it's true for a lot of people. What keeps you here for more than 20 years? Why have you been here so long? Without a doubt, it's the people that I work with. It's, um, you know, the mountain itself and the setting is spectacular, and I have a passion for this lifestyle, not just the winter sports aspect, but what it provides for me during the off season. And um, yeah, but ultimately it comes down to the people that are here every day doing their jobs in order to keep this place running as smooth as it is. I, I think the one thing that would sum it up is they make me laugh every day. And I really, uh, that really is important to me. I, I, I would agree with you. That is that is a nice part of this. Um, so what are you in charge of? Uh, I have... Uh, oh, I'm in charge of answering the phones. <laughs> That's a loaded question. I, uh, um, you know, my main responsibilities are uh, about 60 ski patrollers um, who... Uh, professional ski patrollers who help us, um, you know, maintain uh, terrain... Uh, in charge of skier safety at the hill, uh, emergency medical care, and uh, avalanche mitigation. Uh, and so we also have a, a smaller group of volunteer paramedics that uh, volunteer their time here. I also am in charge of the terrain parks, uh, and I have uh, uh, four or five uh, guys and gals there that uh, help us maintain a safe terrain park. You know, we're not in the business of building big terrain park features like some of the neighbors around here, but we do want to offer that experience to some of our skiing and riding guests. And um, I also um, work primarily um, as a liaison to some of our outside partners, uh, U.S. Forest Service, Summit County Government, uh, CDOT, CIC and some of the other state agencies uh, that we interact with uh, in regards to a lot of our mountain operations and our planning uh, for uh, future development of the ski area. So what are you most excited about regarding the future of a basin? Huh. You know, I, um, I feel very fortunate that 
I was um, brought onto the senior leadership team at the same time that we were making the decision to leave the Epic Pass in Vail Resorts. I, you know, as the ski patrol director in my previous role, it was even clear to me then that the situation was not sustainable. Uh, you know, there were there were midweek days that it was fine, but we had 15 weekend days a year that we just, we couldn't continue to do that. We weren't providing a great guest experience. And I think that that decision and the decision to go to the Icon Pass, and I think that the decision next season to uh, reduce our season pass sales by 10%, I think this is all just going to continue to create a better guest experience. We, we want people to feel like they are getting the best value for their money. And that doesn't always necessarily mean the cheapest pass, but let's create something that they realize is worth spending a little extra. You're a fit guy, but right now you kind of look like the Michelin man with all this <laughs> stuff you've got on. Briefly, what is going on here? Huh. What is all this stuff? Let's see. Um, I'll start at my uh, basest layer for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Walk me you, through your outfit. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah. That's um, <laughs> it's a good question. It's one that I've never been asked before. So, you know, I have your basic wicking layer down at my uh, base. Um, and then, uh, you know, everybody's got their assortment of puffy jackets, and I'm no exception to that rule. So I've, I have a puffy jacket, and then I have a, a Ski Patrol parka, and then I also have a Dekine airbag vest on. And inside these vests, everybody thinks I keep, like, emergency uh, medical gear, but I really just have a ham and cheese sandwich in that pocket. Then I've got a Snickers bar in that pocket, and uh, it makes it look like... Uh, I'm still doing the job that uh, I'm asking the rest of my staff to. So, um, yeah, and, you know, uh, radio for communications, but I've turned that off. So right now I'm uh, unreachable by uh, my staff uh, so that I can do this interview. So that's great. <laughs> Let's me check out for 10 minutes. <laughs> so speaking of ham sandwiches and yeah. airbag vests, um, what line on the east wall or in the steep gullies gets you most puckered? Ah, uh, the snorkel door entrance. That's a That's a... Uh, to me, has always just been a classic line, and that's one of those ones that you you just you you have to commit to, and it's that uh, um, steep, rocky, classic A Basin line that uh, no matter how many times you do it, I still think it gets you making sure that your feet and your hands are in the right place. So, what is the deal? I've been wanting to ask somebody this because. Growing up landlocked, I certainly don't understand. What does it deal with everybody here being a river rat? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a good question. I think you know when I mentioned the lifestyle, um, I've always found it like very circular. That the snow that we slide on all season long will eventually melt and become our spring and summer recreation. Um, you know, there's a certain window, usually in May super unique to this ski area that we all ski and then drive down to the Blue River north of Silverthorne and paddle in the afternoon. And um, yeah, I, I just find that an experience that probably not a lot of people have, even in this industry. It, the, the other nice thing about river rafting um, is the ability to get away from everything. 
it, especially after this COVID year, I think the lines of working from home and not working while you're at home and working when you're in the office, it all gets blurred. And we all have a phone in our pocket and sometimes it's hard to turn it off. And for me, that is the greatest advantage of pushing my raft into the middle of the river is that I'm done with that for however long I'm out there. Nobody can get in touch with me. And there and, and to be honest, it's it's I don't even have that anxiety anymore to check what's going on. It's it's truly removing me from a job that as much as I love can be difficult at times. Yeah. Amen. All right, one more very important question. Okay. If Al were a wild animal, which one would he be? <laughs> well, that's a great segue because he is clearly a desert rat as well. He uh <laughs> he um it's great working for a guy that is also a desert rat because it's so easy to say hey i need the next 17 days off and he doesn't even blink because he knows that he knows where i'm going and uh and he knows that everybody here who's also eventually going to ask him for seven days 17 days off in a row uh, are going to cover him uh for his next grand canyon trip i think he's been down in the grand canyon uh, 82 times. I'm not sure if that's an accurate number, but I think that's a... Wow. No, I'm kidding. He, he hasn't been down there that much. But I think he's been down the Grand Canyon more as much as anybody I know. A bit. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and it's great. Uh, and one of the other things I love is that when in the... Uh, during the moment that I'm trying to ease into the fact that, you know, like I need 14 days off to go to the Rogue... He doesn't question it. He just hands me all of his books on the Rogue River. Or he shows me these handwritten notes that are on the back of a cocktail napkin from his uh, from his last trip on the North Platte. So um, it's, it's pretty fun working for a guy like that that not only doesn't question your vacation, but contributes to it. <laughs> he probably wouldn't appreciate me saying this, but thanks, Dad. <laughs> awesome. I think that's it, unless you've got another funny story you want to share. Hmm. <laughs> no. I, got, I got lots of funny stories. <laughs> like I said, that's the thing that keeps me going here. Like, I, I've seen some things that I will never forget. And I know everybody who's worked here for a while. I mean, between springtime on the beach and, um, you know, summer trail cruise and just working with all of these really funny people. It's um, it's a great atmosphere where people can joke around and people can um, feel comfortable around each other, having a good time. And it's one of the things I miss the most this year, um, why this year has been so challenging, is because we have always been so good at celebrating how awesome we are. And uh, we haven't done that this year. And uh, yeah. when when we're ready to, I'm in. Too. We're going to celebrate big. Yeah, let's go big. <laughs> My name is Peggy Hiller. I'm originally from exotic Denver, Colorado. Believe it or not, I'm actually a Colorado native. Uh, my job title is Vice President of Operations, and I've worked for Arapaho Basin 23 and a half years. That's a long time. It is. <laughs> um, so since you've been here for 23 years... In what ways has A-Basin changed, and in what ways has it stayed the same? So Arapahoe Basin has changed in a lot of physical ways. The mountain is definitely still the mountain, 
but we have been able to, with the grace of our ownership and also our success over the last 23 years, invest a lot of resources into the physical plant of Arapaho Basin. So we've expanded the mountain, the physical ski area twice over those 23 years. We've added snowmaking, replaced every single lift, uh, touched every single building or built new buildings. So physically, it's just really updated since that first year I started back in 1997. What's the same about Arapaho Basin, let's start physically. We still have this awesome location. The juxtaposition of being right next to the Continental Divide and fortunately or unfortunately being kind of hemmed in by our valley and our small narrow area has just kept Arapaho Basin what it is at its core which is a skiers and riders mountain. We are 100% on forest service land so we're not able to put any condos or private development here and that has also kept us our core kind of values and then most importantly it's the feeling people get when they're at Arapaho Basin. I can't say what it was like back in 1946 when we opened but I gotta think that that spirit of what Arapaho Basin is today was there in 1946. We call it our vibe. It's a really awesome kind of a little bit back to basics, but very friendly employees and guests having a great time, a great place to meet people and a great place to just not be doing what you would normally do during your normal day. You're not working, you're not doing your errands, you're not feeding your dog, you're just having a great time no matter what you're doing at Arapahoe Basin, whether you're skiing and riding, you're hanging out um, in our beach parking lot area, you're having a great meal. That's been a basin, I think, throughout its almost 75 year history. So you've been here a long time. A lot of people have been here a long time. What's the deal with that? Why do people stay so long? Why have you stayed so long? I think I've stayed so long because there's never ending challenges. And I do like a challenge. Uh, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment that way. Um, definitely because of the vibe that we just talked about, that atmosphere, the fun um, camaraderie we've had with employees. You know, any employee that's ever worked at A-Basin is part of the A-Basin family. Um, and there's something special about this place where the employees get it, and then we all just become friends. And even if an employee has left us 15 years ago and I see them again, it's just like we're back together again. The other thing I think about why I'm still here is because honestly, I don't think I could find another place that would have this same culture. And that is so important to me, the, um, again, that camaraderie, but also the ability to help people come to this special place and have such a great day. I don't think there's another workplace for me that could satisfy that. That's how I feel. I feel like this place is something you read about in business magazines as far as workplace culture, but you never actually see it, but we've actually pulled it off. Yeah. I say we, I should say you all. No, 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 we, it, it's you too, Catherine. I mean, <laughs> we, it's all of us. And the other thing is, um, 
I think there's so many people across the world that are unhappy in their job. And sure, I've had bad days or bad periods. And most recently, you know, probably gotten through the hardest year of my career um, getting through the pandemic. But I truly have loved my job and I'm happy. And that's so much a part of why I'm here. Yeah, I'm really grateful that I've been, I've worked several other places before I came here. So I have, I have a strong appreciation for it, just sort of in contrast to yeah, that how helps. I've had it before. Yeah. Um, okay, what is it like being married to a ski patroller? Oh my goodness. Now that is a tough question. Being married to a ski patroller has its highs and its lows and the highs are pretty darn good but the lows are are tricky too um so my husband has been a ski patroller longer than i've worked at arapaho basin he likes to help remind me that he's the one that handed my resume to the general manager at the time back in 1997 and he helped get me my job. So I have to be grateful and thankful for that. But uh, my husband, and maybe it's just not any ski patroller, but it's also, unfortunately, my husband as a ski patroller. And fortunately, he, um, he sees this as his country club. I've, I've said that many a time, that he works hard, but he also has a great time and he's got the title over the years of the ski patrol director of fun. Sometimes that doesn't always work well when you're, let's say in management like I am. Um, we've had some highs and lows. We, I could go into the lows, um, they are embarrassing, but we've um, definitely, I also learn a lot from him. And um, my purview at Arapahoe Basin isn't always as much on mountain, but I know so much more about the mountain and every nook and cranny, what its name is, um, through my husband. It's a great connection, it really is. It's not always easy to live with your, and work with your spouse. There's a lot of stuff we can never talk about when we go home after work and that's okay. Um, but it definitely keeps us all in the family and we both have this incredible passion for Arapahoe Basin. So you've actually seen the ski patrol map with all the names that they won't let marketing see because they don't want us to use the secret yes. ski patrol run names. Right. Well, and some <laughs> patrol run names are not appropriate for the mass public. <laughs> Let's just say that. Okay, one more. If A Basin were a planet, which one would it be? Wow, that's a good one. I mean, if A Basin... We always say the part of the A-Basin is the center of the universe. Mostly it's the top of the Paula Vicini chair here. But the sun's not a planet, the sun's a star. So you can't say the sun necessarily. So I'm gonna have to go with a made up planet that I think in my mind is the center of the universe. It's just gonna be called Zorb. <laughs> and Arapahoe Basin is so funky. It's got its own culture. Sometimes its own language, definitely, you know, it's the kind of place where duct tape is a readily acceptable form of clothing. So it's got its own dress wear. Um, people show up in costumes on any given day at Arapahoe Basin. 
hard to say that that happens at a lot of other ski areas. So on planet Zorb, that's what happens. And that's what Arapaho Basin is. It's the most fun planet in the center of the universe. How about that? I love it. I okay. love it. Okay. Awesome. Sure. Uh, my name is Mike Nathan. I'm the sustainability manager here at Arapaho Basin. Been here 11 ski seasons. Moved out here in 2010. And I'm originally from Springfield, Massachusetts. There we go. Awesome. Sweet. Mike, so I've heard you had a couple of nicknames in your day. Could you go ahead and walk us through those? Yeah, sure. You know, mostly I just go by Mike or Mike N. Uh, but I have fondly been referred to as Greenpeace before. And something that the snow sports kids and their instructors especially have taken to is Recycle Michael. Recycle Michael. Awesome. And, you know, obviously sustainability is a huge part of Arapahoe Basin. Why is it so important here? So I think sustainability is, is so important here at a basin. And you could probably say at any ski area or, you know, recreation provider. Um, it's so important because two reasons. One, we, we absolutely rely on a, on a stable climate and uh, at least somewhat predictable weather conditions to run a successful business. But I think uh, equally or maybe even more importantly would be, you know, we've got this high level of visitation, um, tons of visibility and a, at a really loud platform from which we can speak to um, you know personal responsibility and also the opportunity we all have to make a difference in our own lives yeah absolutely um, so yeah that's, for sure that's, yeah. and if money were no object what would be the one thing you would put into your sustainability budget yeah i suppose you know if money were no option we would be sourcing 100 percent of our electricity from on-site renewable projects you know we have pretty limited roof space we've almost kind of maxed out our roof mounted solar um options but whether that would be more ground mounted or like you mentioned a, a wind turbine or any other cool cutting edge new technology that could get us off the grid and into our own uh power generation phase that would be awesome yeah for sure so mike we also know you're pretty musical tell us about your band hobo village yeah so hobo village there uh we're basically the the a basin house band uh consists of Three current and former employees. Um, you know, we, we play a, a pretty mountain-inspired um, brand of heavy psychedelic music, I would call it. Um, and yeah, you know, we really embody the A-Basin experience. We've all worked here and hung out here and made most of our friends here. So um, a lot of that comes through in our music. And we love playing here. Yeah, absolutely. Be sure to check them out on Spotify. Their songs are great. And speaking of songs, if A Basin was a hit song, which would it be? You know, you could go a lot of directions with this, but it's just popping into my head. Maybe I heard it on the radio this morning, but I'm going to go with Don't Fear the Reaper. My name is Jess Mackey. I am the Sixth Alley Supervisor at Arapaho Basin. Um, and I heard about the job through my boyfriend, really. He skis the basin every year always gets a season pass and um, I've been working here since October. I'm originally from upstate New York and uh, I love it here so far. It's a little different. Yeah, it is definitely different. <laughs> uh, it's really, it's the atmosphere and um, the people. I think I've really gotten to see the interaction between the staff and the guests and uh, what a bond that they share. Um, I really think it just, it's the atmosphere that keeps people coming back. 
um, year after year and day after day. I imagine you've gotten to know some of our locals. Yes, I have for sure. <laughs> What's it like hanging out with them at the bar? Uh, they're super fun. They all are very caring. Um, they like to have a good time and they're super, for the most part, very respectful. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, so you don't ski or ride just yet, but you want to learn. I um, do. Skiing or snowboarding? I think I'm going to start with snowboarding. And why snowboarding? Uh, just looking at ski boots makes my feet hurt. So <laughs> and watching people walk around in them and slip and fall all day. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you. That's, that's legit. <laughs> I can hear the music from the Six Alley up in my office, which is awesome. How do you guys pick or who gets to pick? Um, honestly, it could vary by day or hour. Um, sometimes I get sick of listening to the Groove Station. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a shout out to Scott Smith. Um, but um, I, I really think like the bartenders kind of pick whatever they're feeling that day. Might depend on the weather, kind of just everyone's mood. But um, usually the bartenders pick when they get here in the morning and uh, occasionally we might change it if we're, if we're all getting a little sick of it. <laughs> um, so we've got a menu here in front of me with bartender specials. What does it take to get your own cocktail on the menu? Ooh, well, um, everyone that's been on there right now uh, has been here for quite some time. So basically, if you are... Um, just a long time uh, employee and uh, bartender. Really, we just ask them to kind of come up with their own unique specialty thing so that everyone can kind of get a taste of their personality and, um, and have something to enjoy themselves with. I think if I weren't working right now, I would order a fat juice. Gin <laughs> and grapefruit juice sounds amazing. Fat juice is very popular, so <laughs> that's named after our own fatty. Um, we love him dearly, and he loves the fat juice. <laughs> we do love him dearly. Do you have a favorite? Um, if I had to pick, probably the Millionaire Coffee. Um, just, uh, you know, something I like to have a little caffeine to keep me going, but... Um, but also, you know, I like to indulge on my days off. So um, that's probably got to be one of my faves. You've probably noticed that uh, people, staff have a tendency to hang out here even on their days off. <laughs> yes. Um, is that something you've experienced before? Yeah, um, a little bit. I worked at a brewery where, you know, most often the employees would hang out after work. The brewers would come over. Bottling people would also. So similar in that aspect. And um, it's nice to, to get to see people that you normally wouldn't get to see regularly. So um, getting to see people from liftoffs and uh, patrol and other departments come on over and have a beverage after work is really nice. So what is the deal with the food here? I mean, it's it's not as expensive as other ski areas and it's really good. Like why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of in our our business model is to to really create an experience here that people want to repeat. So especially since we have so many people that come day after day, uh, we want to have something that they don't feel like we're just trying to take all of their money, um, but also that they're getting quality food. So um, I really think it's just kind of, it's a mentality here that that we choose quality over quantity often, so. 
Yeah, you haven't experienced a staff party yet, have you? No, I'm dying to. <laughs> well, I think there's going to be a lot of pent-up energy for that, so I'm hoping the first one's good. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks. Thank you. That was super good. And it's rant time. But I'm not gonna. Just gonna reminisce. I think my favorite episodes are the ones I occasionally re-listen to, where we went behind the marketing curtains and met staff, guests, locals, etc. Glad to go out on one of these, even if I didn't get to do the prodding. Wintry Mix Archive episodes in that vein are from Killington, Burke, Winter Park, Escutney, Schweitzer, Snowbird, Eldora, and Powderhorn. Go find them. They were very good times. Not going to be all snow, but a wintry mix is no longer forecast for the listening area. That has always been Tim Kelly, in case it wasn't obvious to you. Thank you, TK. No need for the classic outro credits, just a heartfelt thanks to all my listeners, the initial interns, past sponsors, Vermont Public Radio for the initial push, the crew at Sam Magazine for letting me launch their pod Sam vehicle a few years back, everyone who ever tossed me a review, former colleagues from within American Skiing Company, Boyne and Powder Corp that have filled my head with their wisdom over the years, and A Basin for playing ball on 92 and getting us to a reasonable finish line. I was kind of an idiot along the way and didn't number the Storm Track and Quick Pod episodes. If I had, this would have been episode 101. Oops. Goodbye. Don't be sad that it's over. Just be glad that it happened at all. That's where I'm at. We're going to send it on its way with the A Basin House Band, Chris Wesson, Taylor Hutchinson, and Recycle Michael, Hobo Village, their song, Smooth Highway. Track.